Welcome to the Freedom House Movement Podcast. Today's episode features a previously recorded message by Rainer teaching on the Father's heart. Let me open this up real quick. Y'all just open up your hands right where you are. Um, let me just pray for us. Jesus, I just thank you for your heart. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. And I thank you, God, that you come um, just with, you come with grace to meet us where we are and to give us exactly what we need. That you see whatever might be missing from our encounter with you and your heart, your desire is to fill that need. Find that and call us into everything that you want us to experience through you and from you. I want you all to pray this. Just repeat this. Say, Holy Spirit. I give you permission to change the way I see you today. And I give you anything that I've carried in that might not be from you. And I ask you to take that and give me something better in exchange. Amen. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This, is, this kind of embodies to me what this ministry is what the heart of it is. And I, wanted, I want you all to know more about what we do, what this ministry looks like. But more than that, I want, I want you to know really the heart behind it. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So what is sozo? It's used, it's a Greek word, it's used roughly, depending on the translation, 120 times in the New Testament through about a hundred verses, right? And so it depends on the translation how many times that is, but, but it's used a lot, basically. <clears throat> the Greek definition is to save, deliver, or protect, heal, preserve, save in a biblical sense, as in like salvation. And then the, the one I love is to be or, or to make whole, right? And so I can give you all the knowledge of what the Sozo ministry is. It's a framework of tools that we pray through. Every, every prayer ministry has, you know, kind of the, the cheat sheet, the, the outline that you follow, right? But more than that, this ministry is, um, I want you to know what it represents and really who it represents, right? Because there's a connection available to all three parts of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right? And so the heart of this ministry, what drives us, what we love to see, what is amazingly humbling through every session is we watch God come in and touch people in new ways. And, and their eyes are transformed. I, I prayed with a guy recently. I was talking to him afterward. He had an amazing session. And he said, you know, I thought we were just going to sit down and you were going to just call out all the stuff that I was dealing with in my life. Right? And I like, as he's saying this, I have this picture of like a fillet knife. I think people think that the vulnerability or the intimacy of having someone pray with you through some stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to heal is going to look like a fish market, right? With this really sharp fillet knife, and then you're just going to get gutted. That's not it. 
That is not it. That is not his heart, right? And that's not what we want to carry. And if you've ever experienced that, I'm sorry that anybody ever said to you, let me pray with you and show you what God wants to heal. And it looks like that. That is not the heart, all right? So I just want to put that out there. This guy, he said to me, he said, you know, you actually just helped me see who I was to God and see how God saw me. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because that is exactly what this ministry carries. That is, exact, that is exactly what we want to carry. And so I hope that that comes across today. Um, I had a, had a friend tell me recently that, you know, it's like, it's like God, who has an iPhone or a smartphone? I guess who doesn't? Come down, you know. All right, Rob, come down. We're going to pray for you. I'm just kidding. Um, a friend told me recently, he said, you know, it's like God gave us a spiritual iPhone in Jesus 2,000 years ago. And all we use it for right now is to dial 911. Wow. Right? Everything that these things can do, <laughs> Jesus can do exceedingly and abundantly more. All right? For you. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Um, and we love to go on dates. We love restaurants. We love food. We love going to movies. We just love hanging out. Right? And we, we make it a point to keep, to keep dating, right? It's probably why we have so many kids. And so if you don't know us, we have four kids, and we're waiting on one to get adopted. So um, the significance of a date, right, is making yourself available, putting value in the time that you spend with that person, right, with your spouse, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And it doesn't have to be a, a romantic date, just a, that you carve out time, you know, in your day, in your life, to make time for somebody and say, I want to know you more. I want to I see your heart. I want to hear what you have to say, and I value that, right? And so that's the significance of a date. We don't use a date night as a 911 for our marriage, you know? And so to us, like the best way to describe this ministry, and my wife said it best, I mean, she gave this analogy. She's like, Sozo is a date night with Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father God. You reconnect. You connect in a new way. You learn something about him in this time with him where it's like, whoa, I didn't know that about you. And that makes me feel this way. You know, so it's like you just, you're intimate with him. Jesus said, Mike, I don't know if I gave you this one. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Right? The, the word mind there is dianoia or imagination, as some translations say it. God wants us to experience him with our imaginations. We were created to be creative, right? He gave us that gift. Think about everything God did to create the world and us. We're amazingly creative people that were made from a creative God, right? So you're free to experience him with all your imagination. He created your thoughts, your dreams, your passions, your longings. He knows where you've been hurt. He knows everything. He knows us better than we know him than we know ourselves, right? And so that's because he made us in our image. Because we're made in his image, we're made to walk in communion with him. Think about the garden, right? There was no Jesus, there was no Holy Spirit yet. Adam and Eve just walked in the garden in the cool of the day, hanging out with God. Look at that thing, that's pretty cool. How does that make you? Oh, man, the sun's nice today. You know, it's like they just hung out with God. Right, so he is 
three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, and each part of the Godhead's head was designed to meet a different need in you, right? And you were designed, they were designed to have different roles. Um, I heard a guy speak last week named Paul Martini. There's probably a good joke in there about being stirred up and shaken, but I'll leave that alone. He had a, he had a friend, some of y'all get that on the way home, but <clears throat> he, had a, he, he told us a story and he said, I have a really good friend who's an Orthodox Jew. And Paul and his friend, um, the Jew, were both invited to be a part of a mutual friend's wedding. And Paul's friend said, I can't go. I can't step foot in a church. I can't be a part of, of a Christian ceremony. And Paul's like, why not? He's a, he's a good friend. And he said, it's because you serve a polytheistic God. Polytheistic God. He said, you serve. And Paul's like, and if y'all know what that means, it's a big word. I didn't know what it meant either. I had to Google it. But um, on my iPhone. But... It basically means we serve multiple gods, right? And so Paul's like, what do you mean by that? And he said, you serve, your Bible tells you, your Holy Bible says you serve God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Paul's like, they got in this, you know, theological debate. And Paul's like, no, that's not, he's like, that's not who God is. And he said, they kind of go back and forth, and he said, let me explain this in math. And his friend got offended. He's like, he's like man, we're having, a, we're having a spiritual debate. You don't need to bring up math. And he's like, no. You, you know, you or the world, whoever sees God as one plus one plus one equaling three. He said, God is one times one times one equaling one. God is completely God. Yeah, God is completely God and he's completely whole. All right, he created us in his image. So he designed us to be whole and to live in wholeness with him. If you're missing out on part of, part of God's heart, if you're not connected to part of his nature, whether it's God... Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're missing out on part of his heart, right? Like I just said, he, he gave us the picture of unity in the garden, right? And Jesus has come to restore that. That's why he said, you're going to live, I want you to live on earth as it is in heaven, right? We don't just get Father God in heaven. We don't just get Jesus. We get everything. We get all of God. And we get that here now. And to me, that's what Sozo is. That's what ministering Sozo has done for us. So if we're, not, if we're not connected to part of them, we're really we're cutting ourselves short, right? Because there's identity, there's provision in our identity. So if we're missing out on part of God's heart, we're missing out on some of his blessings, some of our identity in him, and by that, some of the provision that he has for us. How we view God and how we relate to God is most often tied to our relationships on earth. God designed relationship with him and with everybody to fulfill certain roles and meet needs in our life, right? And so whenever those aren't met by God or by people, <clears throat> then we can become wounded through the relationship. And how we can see God and how we can relate to that part of God that's responsible for those relationships can be skewed. It can be off. Right? We can close it down completely. We can, we can just see it through a lens that's not his heart. So one of the foundational tools that we, that we use in Sozo is called the Father Ladder. And the big idea is that our earthly relationships, usually formed in childhood, um, are associated or connected to the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, right? So Father God should be represented uh, on earth by our earthly father. Protection, pr uh, provision, and identity are some of the things that 
our earthly father and our heavenly father were designed to do, right? So if, if you, you know, whatever the picture is with your dad, it doesn't matter. It's just the design was for him to be provider, protector, and give you identity. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Psalm 21.8, The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. 1 Peter 2, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into this wonderful light. That's what God is. That's what God's heart, Father God's heart, is to be all those things for you. And so if there's anything in your life that, that didn't reflect that, he didn't intend it, right? We mess up, people mess this thing up all the time, right? And so God's intention, God's heart, was for you to have your needs met in protection, provision, and identity by your Father, and more so by Him, right? So if there's anywhere that we don't relate to our earthly dad in that way, there can be a gap, or there can be a, a different view of Father God, right? So, I mean, all the time we see people that didn't have a dad growing up, and they can't really see or relate or connect to Father God. It's not their fault. It's not their, da- it's not their earthly dad's fault, right? It's just a reality of the paradigm being created in that way and when that need is not met they just they don't know it but they can't they have a hard time relating to Father God most of the time and none of the stuff that I say example you know that, I, that we've seen it is nothing is a blanket statement I'm not trying to paint anybody in that picture however this is most often what we see and this is kind of the foundations that we that we carry in this ministry my dad I grew up with my dad um my mom and dad are married, awesome childhood. Um, my dad does not look like King Triton, but Father God looks like King Triton to me, right? And not the King Triton, and it's from Little Mermaid, not the King Triton that like goes in and, and destroys the grotto. That's, that's, that's mad God. That's Old Testament God. My, my, my Heavenly Father looks like King Triton. Beard, sometimes he wears a robe, just cover it, you know, because King Triton doesn't always wear a shirt, so... But he's just like, he's, he's a big bad dude, but the smile on his face, like the last scene of Little Mermaid, where he's just like, go get it. That's Father God to me, right? Doesn't have to be your Father God, but you're welcome to him. But <laughs> we see God, we see, we, see, we, take, we, we watch Father God invite people in that didn't know him, have never seen him, never heard him, never related to him, never connected to him, and they end up in the throne room, sitting on his lap, looking out from his throne at all of creation and all of their destiny. God, what's my identity? Where, where are we going in this? God, show me the, what provision looks like, all these things. And we watch God just love on his kids. We, we, watch, we watch God call people into his throne room and just sit them on their lap and say, you're amazing. I'm proud of you. Things that they never heard their whole life, right? And it's powerful. It's amazing. We see uh, one of my favorite things to, that God shows people is uh, their seat at the table, right? And countless times we ask Father God, what does my seat at the table look like? And a lot of what we do is, is we'll ask some stuff, and if there's 
if you don't get something, there's usually some unforgiveness. So we'll walk through that, right? Father God, what's, my, what's your table look like? Oh, I can't see anything. It's empty. You know, it's, there's no food on it. It's just a, a blank wood table. We do a little forgiveness. Father God shows some, some people to forgive. You know, a lie they may have believed about God, all this stuff. We come back. Father God, what's, your, what's my seat at your table look like? Ah, oh, I see a feast. Right? And there's like chaos around me. But I'm, I don't care. I'm just eating all I can eat. Right? He's a good dad. Another one that I love, <clears throat> he, he, he has a habit of showing a lot of cool stuff, but these are some of the ones that have stuck with me. Prayed with somebody one time, and we're like, I don't think, I don't know, it doesn't matter the circumstance, but it's like, Father God, show me where I am with you. And they saw themselves in the palm of his hand, right? And then they look over, and they see the world in his other palm. He's like, he basically felt so much value in me that he would just pick me up in his hand and look at me. And he can manage all the other stuff with his other hand. <laughs> I've seen Father God countless times show up at a game, a sporting event, a play, right? Their experience in life was that whoever they loved or whoever they valued may not have been there for whatever reason. No fault of their own, probably. But God shows up at a baseball game, cheering for, for the kid. I've seen him show up in the stands at a football game, cheering next to the person, right? Like, just, just enjoying whatever we enjoy. He's, he's, he wants to enjoy it with you, right? <clears throat> so that's Father God, in a nutshell. Holy Spirit can be uh, related to our earthly mother. Holy Spirit's roles and... Obviously, earthly mother's roles are comforter, nurturer, and teacher. John 14, 26, But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, everything I've said to you. Acts 2, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The Passion Translation, which I love, my wife got it for my birthday, um, describes this, uh, the fire, like I've, you know, I've heard that, that verse a hundred times. The Passion Translation describes this as individual pillars of fire, right? Like, the, like in the wilderness, but over each, so like when this happened, when the Holy Spirit showed up in this house as the disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit for the first time, they got their own individual pillar of fire over them. Right, And so in the Old Testament, obviously, that's like totally God redeeming stuff because in the Old Testament, that's what they followed. They were in the wilderness, and they, wherever the cloud went, they went. Wherever the pillar of fire went, they went. Right, So Holy Spirit literally came and gave them their own pillar of fire to go and go out. Right, They were going out into the wilderness. They were, they were commissioned to go make disciples of all the nations, and they got their own individual pillar of fire. And that's like better than Olaf's flurry. Um, <laughs> My Holy Spirit looks like basically a human form of fire, right? So he's, he's a man, and he's just all ablaze, right? Doesn't have to be your Holy Spirit. But the coolest thing about the Holy Spirit is, I think, found in part of Isaiah 61. It's the exchange, right? Holy Spirit comes in and exchanges things, exchanges lies for truths. 
Isaiah 61 says that he gives us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Holy Spirit, as the comforter, comes in and replaces false comforters in people's lives all the time. Whether it's, uh, we've seen healings of eating disorders, healings of depression, anxiety, just heaviness, sleeplessness, all these things that just make you feel, oh, Holy Spirit comes in and says, that's not my heart for you. Here's some joy, right? And so that's, the, that's one of the greatest things to watch is, to, is for people to meet the Holy Spirit for the first time or just in a new way and come in and have Holy Spirit come in and just take the things that have felt so heavy and so hard to carry and say, you know what? Here's a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 2 Timothy 1, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you, which I haven't laid hands on you yet, but I will if you want to. For God will never give you the spirit of cowardly fear, but he gives the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and a mind that has been delivered, protected, and secure. Come on. That's what Holy Spirit wants to do for us. Jesus, right? I feel like of of everybody, um, mostly everybody that we minister to, it's like spot on on Jesus. You know, it's like, I got... It's almost like you bring Jesus up, hey, we're good. I got this one, you know? And that's awesome. Jesus is represented on earth through siblings and friends. And, and it's really if you don't have siblings and friends, but it's both. So Jesus' role is companionship and friendship and also healer. We kind of throw that one in because we, we believe that he heals people and we see him heal people. All right, so John 15, 15. I've never called you servants. This is Jesus speaking. I've never called you servants. Because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends. (laughs) For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. In John 4, we see Jesus. I feel like everybody probably knows this story in their head. But we see Jesus meet the woman at the well. Right, And there's a lot of significance of... Jesus and the physical well. It was a it was a field, you know, given to uh, I think Jacob, and God came and sat on the well, and so like symbolically, he was capping any you know anything that was not handled the right way in that. But we see we see Jesus meet this woman at the well, and you know I mean everybody kind of knows the story or a version of it. He says, you know, can I have some water? And she's like, you know, they, they, have this, they start this conversation, right? And so the point is, he came thirsty for her. She says, you know, this whole, this whole exchange of you don't have a bucket, how are you going to get the water? He says, I want, you know, he already told her, I want to give you water. He came thirsty for her devotion and then offered her living water or eternal life in the form of his devotion to her. When he asked her, where her husband was, it was, it was prophetic. Later on in this passage, she, already, she tells him, basically, everything you're saying is confusing to me. I'm just waiting for the Messiah. And he's like, I'm the one you're speaking of. I'm here. Right? And so she already believed that a Messiah was coming. So when he called her out on the husband thing, he wasn't doing it to shame her. 
He was doing it prophetically to, to stir up. Her faith was already there, and he knew that. So he's saying, I already know you're waiting. I already know you believe. I want to know you. I want to be your husband. Right? And so it's, it was a prophetic calling out of what she already believed. He asked her in an inviting way, not in a, not in a, in a shaming way where her husband was, as if to say, I know you don't have a husband. I'll be your groom right he invited her into connection with him John the Baptist in John 3 says his joy is complete in hearing the voice of the bridegroom call the bride and that's something that we get to experience all the time our joy comes comes complete when we watch Jesus give a lady a new pair of shoes and a new dress and say may I have this dance and they dance in this ballroom we, our joy is complete when, when I've seen Jesus ride up on his horse countless times and just scoop somebody up and ride them off to the, into the sunset I've watched Jesus come into the memory of someone's mind in a dark room that was associated with fear and abuse and hurt and say come here child and walk them out into this meadow right and walk them into this glorious light and, and replace that fear of that memory with joy and with peace. Word says he's closer than a brother and he's savior and he's healer. Matthew 9, 20 and 21 in the Passion says, Suddenly, before I read that, this is, let me set it up. Jesus is like, he taught and then he gets called to go raise somebody from the dead, right? Uh, one of the Jewish guys comes and said, my daughter's dead. Will you come pray for her? And he's like, on, he's like, yeah, let's go. So he's on the way, right? This is just like, oh, by the way, we get this. So he's on the way to this house. The lady comes up and says, suddenly a woman came behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl for healing. She had suffered for 12 years but had faith that Jesus could heal her. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his prayer shawl, I would be healed. Just then Jesus turned around, looked at her and said, my daughter... Be encouraged. Your faith has healed you or sozoed you. And instantly she was healed. She touched, inferring this from Scripture, she touched the corner of his robe, a tassel, right? She touched a tassel. That word can be translated as edge, trim, and also wing. Check this out. Malachi 4. But for you who fear my name, I, I read that as honor, right? For you who honor my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. <laughs> and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Can't tell you how many times I've watched Jesus take somebody by their hand and say, let's go run through that field right there. He's healer, and I know it. About six years ago, uh, we were on a family vacation trip. Um, my in-laws have a lake place, had the whole family down there. And I got sick. Thought it was a bug, you know, felt bad, I was in bed. Was over, we were there for a week, it was kind of the second weekend. So we went home, woke up on a Sunday night, or really middle of the night, Sunday night, Monday morning, just feeling like, Everything I've ever heard or read about a heart attack sounds like, right? 
heaviness, just hard time breathing, incredibly tight, constricted chest, left arm going numb, shortness of breath. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I'm 27 at the time. We have like a 9-month-old um, or 10-month-old. I was a college swimmer, um, and although I was a handful of years removed from that career, I wasn't grossly out of shape, right? And so I wasn't in that good of shape, but I should not have been having a heart attack. That's what kept going through my mind. I'm like, all right, you know. I, tried, I basically tried to walk it off. I just made laps around my living room. Like, this isn't happening. I laid down. Finally get up about 6. Didn't really sleep. Get up. And I told my wife, I said, I'm, I said, I'm not right. I don't feel right. I'm going to the hospital. I go. Go to the ER. Uh, and they discharge me. You know, I, I didn't walk in with chest pains. I just I told them my history. You know, they're like, this guy's, you know, who knows what he's doing. But going home. And so, Go home lay down, take a nap, wake up, about lunchtime, same exact thing happened. And I, I remember the nurse that discharged me told me, he said, if anything changes, come back. So I wake up, I'm like, you know, same symptoms, chest, hard to breathe, elephant sitting on my, you know, arms are going numb, all this stuff. I'm like, it's happening again. I'm like, I'm going to the ER. Go to the ER. They do all the tests, they probably should them the first time, but Basically, my heart was functioning at 30%. They diagnosed me with what's called viral myocarditis. It's a virus that settled um, or attacked the, the wall of my heart. The original diagnosis was just that it was viral pericarditis, which is just the lining. And they're like, that's not a big deal. And then all of a sudden it turned into like the wall of my heart. And it was, I was in the cath lab. I consented for a, a stent. I'm like, you're saying if my heart has blockage, you're going to put a stent in me. And I'm 27. They're like, yes, sir. I'm like, okay. So, of course, it was squeaky clean. Everything was fine. But I end up in the, in the uh, excuse me, cardiac ICU for about three days. Didn't know it at the time, but um, I guess, fortunately, unfortunately for my wife, they basically told her the first night, they said, keep your phone on. He's on heart failure watch. Took me two months to where I could walk to the mailbox and back without just feeling like I ran 10 miles. Um, Lord completely healed my heart. <laughs> at two years, I'm sitting at my follow-up visit with my cardiologist, and he's like, "How you feeling, son?" And I'd been, I'd had like several, like four or five clean echoes at the time. Heart function was great, all this stuff. Um, you know, had people joking, they're like, you were the healthiest ICU patient ever. I'm like, well, I was still in the ICU. But two years, I looked at my, my doctor, and he's like, how you feeling? I was like, I feel great. I'm just tired of taking this blood pressure medication. He said, okay. Um, he said, I've dealt with one other person within five years of your age that I can confirm by blood work had the same exact symptoms you had. And he spent two or three years with an artificial heart. He said, we had to bypass his heart. So I think you can keep taking your medicine. I was like, yes, sir. You got that. God completely healed my heart. Um, more than that, we were, we were praying last night. And my, my wife put her hand on my chest, and she said, God sozoed your heart. Wow. And that had never hit me before. He physically gave me a new heart. <laughs> but he also gave me a new one spiritually and emotionally. He literally exchanged 
my heart that was damaged with a new heart. And with it came revelation of who he was, who he is, and who I am to him, and who I am in him. I've had people tell me before, it's like, you just carry the Father's love, the Father's heart. And I didn't put it together until she prayed that last night. He literally put his heart in mine. We know who we are. When we know who we are to God and our relationship to God is healthy and whole, as he intended it to be, the lies that the enemy uses against us don't hold any weight. Bill Johnson says, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar. But God is a God of truth. And when we experience his nature, all the lies are dissolved. When we know our identity in God, we encounter his love and we're positioned to receive our inheritance. The enemy can't steal something that he couldn't pay for. The enemy can't steal something he wasn't willing to pay for and couldn't pay for. God can't deal in a negative. So if we see, if we perceive a problem, God just sees a possibility, right? And he gives us a promise to, to replace that problem. And he gives us the provision to cover that promise. He tells us in Isaiah, his word never goes out and returns void. It always accomplishes what it's set out for. It produces fruit. And it will prosper everywhere he sends it. John spoke last week about David and Goliath. David was anointed to be king long before he went out to see Goliath, right? So David heard about Goliath, walked out, and he knew two things. He knew he was going to be king, and he knew he wasn't king that day. So really, it just sucked to be Goliath that day. Because it wasn't time for David or Israel to be defeated. Because the fulfillment of that promise hadn't come forth yet. So David walked out. <laughs> I heard somebody say one time, David grabbed five rocks because he knew Goliath had four other brothers and he was going to take them all out because he didn't care. He knew that God had said, you will be king of this nation. And it wasn't that day. God always gives us provision to cover his promise. I know we've got to cut this back, but Matthew 1. I want to hit this home real quick. Matthew 1 in the Greek, right? So traditionally, Old Testament's written in Hebrew or Aramaic. Those are kind of like Spanish and Portuguese. They're similar enough, but New Testament's, for the most part, written in Greek, right? So Matthew 1, G Joseph's freaking out. He's about to leave Mary because he knew Mary was pregnant. They weren't married, and he wasn't the dad. He's like, I'm out of here. Uh, God speaks to Joseph in a dream through, a, through an angel and says speaks out to his identity, speaks to his inheritance, right? He says, Joseph, son of David. Joseph had to have known who he was in the lineage of David and what that meant, right? So he calls out his identity and his inheritance. And he speaks to him and he says, Mary will have a son, this is verse 21, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save, or sozo, his people from their sins. That's a literal Greek translation. However, many believe that Matthew was written in Aramaic. It's more of a passionate, it's more of an emotional language, right? A lot of the early New Testament was written in the language of traditionally the Old Testament, right? And I think it's to bridge a gap. So if you read this, verse 21, as translated from the Aramaic, it says, you will name him Yoshua, 
not Jesus, Yoshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, restoration. And one more. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Deliverance. The first mention of Jesus in the New Testament is written in the language of the old to bridge the gap. Jesus said in Matthew 3, he didn't come to abolish the law, but, but fulfill it. He didn't just come to make the old kingdom a little better. He came to establish a completely new kingdom altogether. He honored what Father God had done in the Old Testament, but the game plan was always the cross. The game plan was always the power of God on this earth through the restoration of his kingdom being here and now. He goes on to do all these. It's in the middle of that Matthew 9 passage where the woman gets healed. He goes on to do all these miracles, right? Go check it out. At the end, though, it says, verse 35 and 36, Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom. I want y'all just to stand up. I want to I read this blessing out of, it's Isaiah 55, but I want to bless y'all with this. We'll read this, and we're gonna. I'm gonna dismiss y'all, but we are gonna do um, right after this. If you gotta go get kids, go get them, bring them back. If you gotta go, we'll, we'll dismiss you in just a second. But we're gonna do what we call an impartation tunnel or impartation line. Some people call it a fire tunnel. Um, basically, we're gonna just have y'all start. Our ministry team's gonna be up here. We're gonna have people start from this side. And they're gonna walk through, and they can go out this side. If you wanna make them up a bunch of laps, that's fine. We'll be here, but. It's literally just the chance for an impartation from God, right? I feel like he's just got a compassion for this room, a joy and a compassion for every single person in here. And I want to I pour that out as best I can. So if you want to, in just a second, we'll do that. But Isaiah 55, just open up your hands and receive this. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles once grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love, which will not be cut off. Jesus, I thank you for your joy and the peace that that these people are let out with. I thank you for the heart that you give us to receive your love, to experience your love, to become intimate with you in a new way. We love you and we love that you love us. So Father God, just come and, come and impart that love to these people today. Let them experience you I bless you all. I thank you. If you want to receive from our team, there's you can just reach out to us. But we love y'all more than I can express. Pray all these things in Jesus.